Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. At Progressive, we're making things even easier. We'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. The Chicago Cubs compete for the NL Central here. Fires drives one in the air. Deep left field. It's got a chance. Go! On Sports Radio 670, The Score. Live from the Hyundai Studios. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We are WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. An Odyssey station. The Score! This hour is brought to you by Menards. Say big money at Menards. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands. and um, good thing. And apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any... Problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and they come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning and welcome in. Saturday suckage, like it ought to be, but it's not. Steve Rosenblum and over there is Rick Camp of the I'm Fat podcast, of the Bulls postgame show, of every show there is, and he's produced them all, and here he is sitting in with an open mic. Rick Camp, how are you? Well, I'm, I'm sitting in, let's see if I can do this right, I'm sitting in for Mark Grody, who's sitting in for Mike Esposito, who's sitting in for Mark Grody. There may be a Ben Finfer interlude in there, 
who is sitting in for Brian Peruk, who's sitting in for like Dave Baum or something. Is that about right? Yeah, well, you forgot Wayne Randazzo and certainly Jordan Burnfield, the incomparable Jordan Burnfield, who oh. was there when they, they started writing the uh, the encyclopedia of suck. But you pretty well got, that's, that's a lot of the DNA. Rick is in today because Grody made, see, somebody important listened to the show last week, inexplicably, and Grody made too much sense. He was cogent. He made several great points, and they sent him to his room, Mr., and don't come out until you're ready for Saturday suckage. So Rick is here, and now we have the nexus of sports and fats. It's a wonderful thing. And you guys are approaching, you and Jay Zawoski, the I'm Fat Podcast, are approaching quite the milestone. Share with the class, please. Well, most things involving uh, fat people, you know, a lot of people don't tend them to last very long because of a lot of factors. But for us, we're coming up on our 100th episode. So this weekend, we're recording episode 98, so we've got a couple weeks. We've got some things planned that I'm very excited about for the 100th episode. Some things still in the works, but we've got uh, we've got some food things coming up that are, are very exciting that we've been working on for a while that we, maybe, I don't know, we want to just let the cat out of the bag now, or do we want to do this later? Because, I mean, I, I can do this either way. Because, you know, we got to, you know, give people some reason to sit through the rest of this. I'm, I'm welcome to let people sit through the rest of this. All I would say is a, a remote would be a wonderful thing. You should do the podcast live from a pizza joint, an ice cream place, a hamburger joint, or all of them. You should have a, uh, a fat caravan. That's what I think that should happen. But you guys will do what you do. You've done a magnificent job. I've always been a fan. I love the idea. I love the name. And I love what you guys do. So that's true. And because of that, I have several I'm Fat. Uh, I need the I'm Fat podcast to weigh in on several things that we will be discussing later on. But congratulations, early congratulations on that. And we'll get to when we do What Are You Doing, Wagner? You can share because one of our items involves food in a big and um, surprising way. But for now, let's talk Cubs, Rick. Let's talk the Anthony Rizzo game. Before the game, Anthony Rizzo said he wasn't getting vaxxed. It was a personal decision. He's all for people getting it, just not him. So he doesn't apparently believe in all the science, like the science that helped him come back from cancer. And then he hits that home run, and nobody cares. That was quite an Anthony Rizzo day, don't you think? Yeah, there's just so many layers to it. You mentioned the pregame. You mentioned just... That at-bat was outstanding. Yesterday, when that game was going on, I was working because my Monday through Friday gig now is I'm uh, a producer for You Better You Bet on the BetQL audio network. So I'm over in for uh, for you that knows the score studio. Like, your next door to the score on air studio is where our production director, Russ uh, Matera, had his office where he would do his work. Well, now he's doing more from home, so... We run the show out of there, so I didn't have the volume on. Went back and watched it with the volume just because of obviously having the capacity and everything else around it. And just, like, I'm not the biggest baseball romantic in the world, but just looking at that in a vacuum, really cool. However, with the context of everything else, it's a hell of a thing that happened yesterday between the vaccine status, between... The, the bigger things coming up, you know, the deadline isn't as far away as everybody would like to think. 
and then you have that game and what he's able to do there. It really is just a fascinating time for the Cubs where, you know, for how many people were they like, you know what, if the Cubs are just kind of blah this year, that was kind of the expectation. And okay, just kind of go into a bit of a reset. And now there's just so many questions again on how do you handle everything. And Rizzo's kind of at the center of that. As as we expect, he's always been at the center of it since since he came here. Remember when he came here, he was he was he Judd had to have him, and uh, Jed had to have him, and that was always it. Jed, wherever Jed was, Tony Rizzo had to be, whether it was Boston or San Diego or Chicago. And so he ends up here, and if you go way back, he was the center of everything important, even when you better be sitting down. And you better have an air sickness bag next to you. Even when Mike Quaddy was managing. Because all Mike Quaddy did was manage the kids, him and Starlin Castro. He didn't manage the veterans who did whatever they want. It was it was Animal House if you were a veteran. And and but it was all on whatever Anthony Rizzo could do. And he early on he couldn't do much. It wasn't it wasn't living up to what everybody wanted. And then he grew into this this kind of leader who would who would also be the guy who was caught in the World Series telling David Ross, I'm in a glass case of emotions. The guy's quoting Anchorman in, I think it was Game 7 of the World Series. It was just, he was that guy. He is that guy. And he's very important. There are better players on this team. But as a leader, he's now telling his team, I'm not going to be vaccinated. His general manager now has to look stupid and sound stupid. And and he and his general manager, the guy who brought him here, the guy who couldn't live without him, the guy who helped build a World Series winner around Rizzo, is talking about in saying things like the Unbacks Cubs, or some of them, built up incredible equity in the community. They're making a personal choice. They're probably not going to be they're not going to choose to articulate to the fans. It would be a shame if fans dedicated or decided to take all that equity and get rid of it. Well, this is the same GM, the same Jed Hoyer, who said we're at a competitive disadvantage when we can't get to 85% of our Tier 1 people, starting with a roster, vaccinated. So which is it? And And... Tony Rizzo is just making Jed Hoyer sound like a schmuck. I don't know how else to read it. Help me, Rick. Help me. I I really... It's so interesting because I wonder if we were to get to the point where one player could put the Cubs above that threshold, would he reconsider? Like, is it easy for him to say, I'm going to stay not vaccinated right now? And I'm not, you know, not necessarily questioning his you know, desire to stay not vaccinated, like do you, I guess. But if it came down to it where circumstances change for other players and it gets to the point where they can go back to Rizzo and say, Hey, if you get vaccinated, all the, you know, the restrictions get lightened. It makes it better for the team, you know, whatever, all that stuff. Would he reconsider then? Cause I think that's absolutely fascinating because listening to it, yeah, it sounded very odd. Very here for everybody else to get it, but, you know, not for me. That's just, you know, the it's just more the logic. Not necessarily for me judging the decision in and of itself. Judging the logic behind it doesn't make a ton of sense, especially when, you know, 
life over sports, even for athletes, of course. However, this is just weird. It doesn't make much sense. And I don't know how Jed Hoyer should handle that necessarily because there are a lot of things to be juggled. But when you consider the context of everything else around this team, it just adds more that doesn't necessarily need to be there necessarily. The one thing I'll say is, you know, credit to Rizzo for, I guess, addressing it and saying something. He could have just no commented it, and that's fine. But the fact that he answered it now does make it just that much more weird and interesting. It, it does, and, and it all, it was a wonderful, wonderful <clears throat> nexus of the way it all came together. That was quite the, quite the confluence of things for the Cubs. They, they, the, all those people who screamed wildly when Rizzo hit that home run, a 14-pitch bat against Daniel Ponce de Leon, 10 foul balls, working it, working it, working it, the Cubs down by a run, and he hits that home run. Those 35,000-plus fans shaking that building, shaking the players, that, that raising goosebumps on people, they were there because the vaccine worked. Right. They were allowed in because the vaccine that did what it was supposed to do. Vaccines are up. Deaths are down in the greatest plague in a century. And... That's where we are with this. And I think your point about, is he the one player to put him over the top? Well, he always comes through in a clutch. Maybe he would be forced to. We're, we're, a t- we're an Anthony Rizzo jab away from getting to 85% and giving us the competitive advantage that I think it's now 22 of the 30 teams have. So that's a really good point. We don't know how many players away they are, but we know the manager and the general manager sound stupid trying to defend this when... The general managers are already on record as saying we're at a competitive disadvantage. And and maybe maybe it'll happen, Rick. More players will trickle in as they are on the road for the next month. And and they can't go out of the hotel because that's one of the rules. And the clubhouse is a different place. They're allowed to go two places. And maybe they'll get tired of only doing that because there are whatever handful, whatever number of players there are, maybe they'll start looking sideways at those players. What they say publicly isn't necessarily what they mean or what they do or the way they think or the way they act privately. And this would affect the trade deadline. So as you get close in the next month, it could be really interesting the way you say, is he the one guy to put him, put him over the number? That would be great. But we'll, I don't know that we're ever going to know that unless he announces it to us. Yeah, that would it would be surprising if we ever found out that that ended up being the case. And also, boy, if he came out just like grinning, like, listen, I was the guy that put us over the top here. That's, that's also just kind of a, a bad look. Like, cool, you're doing something in, in theory, you know, the thought process would be to help the team. But to then come out and be like, shower me with praise because I'm doing something everybody else didn't en masse a while ago, eh, that that would be an awful look. But, you know, that tr- the trade deadline aspect of it is so fascinating, too, because even outside of the vaccine in, of, in and of itself, it's just a matter of how much are we weighing big picture versus small picture, and it's a tough thing to do. Clearly, this is the part that Theo admitted he wasn't very good at, was assessing where the team is right now 
and then making a deal in accordance with the long-term vision and the short-term vision. Because I have a hard time thinking, unless the plan is re-sign two of the three, whatever two of the three they want it to be. I would be, personally, I would leave Rizzo out and I would try and re-sign Bryant and Baez in, you know, an idealistic world. If that's possible, if you can sign two of the three and basically say that we're keep trying to keep this competitive window open moving forward, then maybe you're more aggressive at this deadline. But if the Cubs think maybe they're signing one or there's a possibility of signing none, I get they're a top, you know, they're right there in this division right now tied with Milwaukee. But at what point does that long-term vision matter more than trying to eke out this year? Because when you look at the National League and overall, when you look at run differential, the Cubs are in a weird spot by themselves because you have seven teams in front of them between 48 and 100 runs that they're uh, plus 48 and plus 100 runs. Then you have the Cubs at plus 36, and the next highest is plus 18. So they're really kind of like the middle child of, of the competitive teams right now, and it puts them in a really interesting spot for Jed Hoyer, for this front office, and for these players and how their negotiations are going at least mostly behind the scenes, to be able to assess what to do with them and what to do overall in these playoffs. I'm going to play what if for a moment. That's Rick Camp. He's in for Grody. Grody made too much sense last week, so they sent him to his room. And once he learns Saturday's suckage and learns his lessons, he'll be back next week, I suspect. Uh, Rick and I are broadcasting from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Before we take a break and talk to Megan Montemuro, who covers the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune, Here's an idea, Rick. What if his refusal to get vaccinated makes Anthony Rizzo more likely to be traded by Jed Hoyer, and by trading him, Jed Hoyer gets the Cubs over that 85%? I guess it depends on does his vaccine status hurt his short-term trade value because for any team trading for him, it's a short-term move anyway. Mm-hmm. So how far above that threshold does a team need to be to take on a guy like Anthony Rizzo? How much are they willing to give up to to be able to take him on? So I think when you keep doing that, it just probably keeps narrowing and narrowing and narrowing the viable teams that would consider an Anthony Rizzo trade. And especially also when you're trading for a first baseman that more and more teams are just kind of yada, yada, yada the position and saying we can kind of figure it out and, and just throw somebody there and give them the bigger glove. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see what Megan Montemuro has to say. She covers the Cubs for the Tribune. This is Saturday Suckage, and a guy who has spent a lot of time producing it, Rick knows we suck so you don't have to. Rick will do his best. Um, he's a, certainly a capable member of the Suckage community. We are Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. And the pitch on the way. Anthony drives one. Deep right field. It's got a chance. Gone. Home run Rizzo. That's what we've been waiting for here at the Friendly Confines for a year and a half. Rizzo just wins that battle. The ball game is tied 5-5. A line drive home run just under the auxiliary video board in right. It left the park in a hurry. Highlight, courtesy of us. We're the score. Sports Radio 670. Matt Hughes, Ron Coomer, Anthony Rizzo's dramatic home run that the non-vaxxed first baseman hit in front of 35,000 screaming maniacs because the vaccination works. So that's where the Cubs find themselves. They find themselves tied for first place with the Milwaukee Brewers and they're playing the evil dreaded rival Cardinals and doing a good job of making the Cardinals look like a minor league team. So let's go to Wrigley Field. What was it like in Wrigley Field? We're gonna bring in Megan Montemuro of the Chicago Tribune. Megan, thanks for joining us. What was, what was it like being in Wrigley Field with fans? For the, it was first time since September of 2019. What was that like? I would definitely say it was a little surreal. I mean, you know, once it got to 60%, you definitely could tell, um, you know, how many more fans were there as, as it, you know, slowly increased. But, you know, being fully open, even though it wasn't a sellout, you know, having, you know, 30,000 plus fans there definitely made a difference. And you definitely felt it in those, um, those bigger moments, whether it was the 14 pitch at bat um, that Rizzo had before the home run um, or just, you know, the way that they were able to keep coming back and and answering the Cardinals. Um, Yeah. I mean, you could just tell the atmosphere. It was fans were definitely ready to uh, to explode and, and cheer. And you definitely felt it in the game's biggest moments. Megan, was that home run maybe just something for all the baseball romantics out there to like kind of have that that galvanating moment, or could that actually be 
a springboard into something. Obviously, the Cubs are playing well anyway, but having that leading into, especially in this kind of series where he could maybe not necessarily bury the Cardinals, but definitely make their path significantly more difficult. Is that something that can help, I don't know if bring the team together or something like that is the type of uh, way to phrase it, but could this be more than just a fun individual home run on a cool day? Yeah, I think so. I think really the game itself is, I mean, you know, they, they fell behind by four runs, you know, heading into the bottom of the fifth and, you know, it definitely was a situation where the game could have gotten out of hand and you saw the strengths of the team um, really emerge over those final few innings between, you know, the bullpen being dominant as it has been for most of the year and the way the offense has been performing lately where you have different guys stepping up on a daily basis. You know, right now in the past week, Jock Peterson has been, um, you know, on a hot streak and, and hitting the ball well, and, you know, he stepped up, and you have those moments like Rizzo where, you know, you're just battling and, you know, he outlasts the pitcher. And so I think there's microcosms within the game that, that indicate, you know, like this could, this could be a, a strong indicator of where this team is heading and, and the pieces that they have um, in creating a winning team. And then now really I think the biggest question mark, which again was kind of highlighted yesterday was, starting pitching you know can they get enough consistency from the rotation to um, be able to continue riding the wave and 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 playing good baseball our guest is Megan Montemuro she covers the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune Rick Camp is in for Mark Grody here on Saturday Suckage when you talk about starting pitching which they would need to acquire it would seem so in your story yesterday there was Jed Hoyer saying, I want to be on the buy side, but Jed Hoyer also seeming to indicate, if I may boil a long paragraph, a long quote down to, our billionaire, our, our billionaire owner doesn't want to afford great players, I'm wondering who's going to stay, who's not. What do you make of that, and what do you think are their, their legitimate options? What do you expect? Yeah, I mean, the tricky thing is, is if you're an organization that is keeping an eye on the future and, you know, they, they clearly have indicated first with the Darvish trade in the offseason and just kind of some of the talk around, you know, Rizzo, Brian, Baez and, and their looming free agency and that, you know, they're trying to build a consistent winner again and that you're not mortgaging the future, um, you know, to give that up. And so the tricky part is if you are looking to add something impactful to the trade deadline, you know, especially starting pitching, that it tends to be a scarcity and a very hot commodity at the trade deadline. Um, so, you know, what are you giving up to get that? And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that potential problem because, you know, you don't want to deplete whatever, you know, talent you have in the minor leagues because, again, you're, you're trying to build something for the next two seasons. So, you know, I – it sounds like, you know, they're, they're going to let the contract situation play out in the off season Hoyer wouldn't, you know, definitively say um, anything in terms of whether contract negotiations would potentially occur, at, you know, as the season progresses, but, you know, clearly they're approaching a crossroads and, you know, as long as the Cubs keep winning, they're going to be putting uh, Hoyer in the front office in a, in a tough spot. Do you think there's any way outside of a huge losing streak where the Cubs fall a significant amount out where even if, let's say for sake of argument, they fall behind 
three games by mm -hmm. around the deadline, or at least when they have to start making those calls and making those decisions. Is there any way they would become sellers in that situation outside of maybe like a huge injury that happens right at that amount of time that completely changes the calculus? Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt that they have some sort of internal scenario, or at least, you know, as, as we draw closer to the July 31st trade deadline, some sort of line where, you know, if they're at this point, then, you know, then they have to strongly consider being sellers and moving assets. I don't really know right now what that would look like. Um, but, I mean, if you have a dominant bullpen, if you have an offense that, you know, not only can generate uh, runs on, on home runs, but also has shown that they can string together hits. I mean, those are two very valuable things, um, you know, as you approach the postseason. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can definitively say they won't be sellers and they, they have a very challenging schedule the rest of the month. Um, you know, five of their six remaining series are against teams with winning record. Most of their games the rest of the month are on the road, um, including a 10 game stretch to close out the month. So, you know, we'll be learning a lot about this team in the next few weeks and, and heading into July. I think the, the picture will be a lot clearer as to what this team is. Well, I hope so. But there are there are our guest is Megan Montemoro. She covers the Cubs for the Tribune. Rick Camp in for Mark Grody here on the score. So so Megan, the Cubs and Brewers tied for first. They are two of only three teams in the <laughs> National League, the Giants or the other, who are above 500 against opponents who are 500 or better at the time. Cubs are 18 and 13. Brewers are 17 and 9. The Cubs on the road are 14 and 17. They have the most, they have um, the most wins in the National League at home. They're 22 and 10. So as more of that gets determined, you see the Brewers a better balanced team on the road. The, the, the Cubs showing they can win away from Wrigley, you think tilts the the trade deadline and does it matter does it matter how good they're going if Craig Kimball Kimbrell is throwing like this is he a guy that can be traded because he's pitching well enough to be traded now and if they trade him for who becomes the closer who who becomes that guy yeah, I mean, if they're if they're still in first place and right in the thick of it and still playing well, I mean, I think it's just going to be an incredibly hard sell to your fans that you know you have a first place team or a team that you know in the thick of contention, um, and you trade somebody away even if it's you know not one of your your big three guys. Even if you move Kimbrel, I mean, that that is a huge piece of that bullpen and really changes the dynamic where, you know, you're having to re-slot guys and, and you don't necessarily know how maybe guys will perform in that ninth inning. And so I, I don't, I don't know if they could do something like that. I mean, I think they really have to be out of it or, or definitely trending in the wrong direction for them to do something like that. I don't know if you could trade somebody like Kimbrell, but also find a way to make the team better at the same time. That would be a very, tough line uh, to, to walk there. Um, but, you know, I, I also don't rule out that they'll explore all their options. So I think, I mean, really, I really think it'll just come down to how well the team's performing. And, you know, they're, they're certainly going to have some opportunities. They have a lot of uh, divisional games in July between, you know, Reds, Cardinals. Um, they played them four times altogether. So, 
you know, they have a chance to really build a good cushion if they can get through this June schedule. Megan, Stevie Sunshine over there is very negative, so I want to spin this positive because, you know, that's just my default. Uh, but assuming the Cubs stay in this and they are looking for an upgrade that maybe not not a frontline guy or anything like that, but that can tangibly help their rotation, are there any names or just teams that Cubs fans should be looking at to monitor how they're playing up until the deadline to see if they get into a selling position, either for a name in particular or teams that at least have some options that the Cubs could take a look at. Yeah, I know one name that I feel like I've been seeing maybe at least on Twitter a lot is, you know, Max Scherzer because, you know, right now the Nationals are last in the the NL East. um, But, you know, he just left his start um, prematurely and, you know, he's an older pitcher. And so there's some, you know, concerning trends there. I mean, you look at some of the teams that are already out of it, kind of Rockies, Diamondbacks, you know, a lot of those teams um, have, I guess, kind of some marginal upgrades available. They're, you know, a lot of those teams are in last place for a reason. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I think one thing that I think will be a, an interesting storyline is, is do they go after a short-term rental or if they make a deal, uh, you know, to acquire talent, is it somebody that is under team control be- beyond the season? Um, you know, Hoyer indicated yesterday that, you know, ideally you're getting someone under team control for, for more than just the rest of the season, but sometimes that's not possible. So for a team that's trying to keep an eye on the future, I think that's an interesting factor um, that will be worth watching as we get closer to the deadline. Megan Montemurro, Megan Montemurro is our guest. She covers the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune. Here, and we're talking baseball here on the score. The the comments by Tom Ricketts after the comments by Jed Hoyer. Uh, I, I I when I hear Tom Ricketts say it's all Jed's decision, um, the subtext is based on the fact that we traded, we gave up when we traded you Darvish because that's what the Cubs need now is they they need you Darvish. I don't know what you make of what Rickett said and and what kind of flexibility Jed Hoyer has. What did you make of what Tom Rickett said yesterday? Yeah, I interpreted it in the sense of, you know, if, if Jed Hoyer goes to him and says, you know, these are the two guys I want to resign, you know, whatever combination of that out of, you know, the big three, then, you know, Sure, he's, he's, I guess, making the decision. But, I mean, ultimately, anytime you're giving out big contracts, it comes down to ownership. And, of course, owners, from the ownership's perspective, you want to make sure that your front office is having some say in this. You don't want to be the one dictating, you know, who they're signing. Because, really, you know, that's uh, some, obviously, some owners like being more involved in that. But, generally, you know, that's something that the front office has to determine. So, I kind of interpreted it in the you know he he's going to identify who is worth you know um keeping beyond this this season and and then going from there um but i i i don't see it just being a a jed hoyer decision it's it's going to be a collective one and and nothing's happening without you know the ricketts signing off on it well i hope they're all wearing kevlar megan thanks for (laughs) joining us i appreciate your time thanks for your insight appreciate it yep you're welcome thanks for having me Megan Montemurro of the Chicago Tribune, talking Cubs. Rick Camp's in for Mark Grody. So it almost seems, Rick, I want to come back with an idea about the Cubs, that lesser of two evils seeming to compare 
one idea against the other when you when you hear what the billionaire said and what the general manager said and the way this started with the Darvish thing. So we'll discuss that and we'll hear the legendary money-making idea from Chicago and Bill Murray. He had an idea. He had a way to, to keep this Cubs team together and we're going to bring that to you next. This is Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And Rick Camp in studio. It sucks and it freebases. Of course it does. Thank you, Les. Steve Rosenblum. And there's Rick Camp. Hello. He's, he's and in Rick Camp in studio. And Rick Camp in studio. Big voice guy. Rick Camp. You hear him on the Bulls postgame show, part of the... I'm Fat Podcast. We have I'm Fat Podcast news coming up later and discussions and insight. And Rick's here as part of Saturday Suckage. He has been part of that before. Now he's got an actual microphone in front of him that he's supposed to have as opposed to just telling us, okay, break already, break already, break already, like Trash Panda's doing on the other side. And by the way, Trash Panda, there was a story on my um, Channel 2 News about a that people are now starting to feed the trash pandas in the Lincoln Park area and the and, and the parks there, and they're a growing problem. Idiots. It's, you don't feed them because then they're just going to keep coming back. Right. You know? So it's can you bring same. Tell Alice to nudge. <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell Alice to nudge Shooter and have him come down and start shooting them? Have no, we can't, we, can't have, them? we can't have my dad walking around Lincoln Park with a rifle. It's, that's not a good well, look. Okay, is it a, if you feed, if you kill the the trash pandas, and you kill the people feeding them, haven't you accomplished like is isn't that a two for one? Isn't it a two for? <laughs> I'm all for that. All right. I mean, that's discuss. one way to handle the <laughs> that's, problem. That's a way to handle the problem. Yes, that's okay. that's that's I'm, a solution to the problem. It's not right, a good I'm, one, but it is a solution. I'm just trying to get shooter out of the house, Rick. In case you are unclear on this, Alice, trash panda's mom told us, what is it, a couple weeks ago, did you text us that... Yeah, it was two weeks ago. Yeah, your dad was... Well, share, share with the class. Hold on, because- let me... I have to pull this up again. So, I, this is, like, out of the blue, I get a text from my mom a couple weeks ago, which I then immediately, I mean, within seconds, forwarded to Rosie and Grody, because they had to see it. And so, my mom texts me... Hold on. Hold on. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. blah, blah. Man, if you can start one, counting up to like, if two, you can start counting yeah, ball three, games, one, yeah. two. Cool. All right, blah, all right. Blah, blah. Almost, almost Everybody blah. forgets that Francesa was counting bowl games at that point in time because <laughs> if there's nothing, if there, there is no thing better than old man yells at Cloud about number of bowl games, that's just is. like right yep. up the alley. <laughs> okay, blah, so blah, uh, my mom texts me and goes, "Bill was just shooting at a coon out of your window." So my old window in my at my house upstairs. And so, uh we call we call raccoons coons where I grew up. And why why does she call him Bill when she's texting to you? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> odd. My your, mom never called dad. Yeah, my mom never called my dad by name when uh like when texting me about him or anything. Really? Yeah. Well I guess okay. yeah, Are I've noticed that with a lot it? of families. My family I guess doesn't do that in this particular case. I, I don't know. But and then but, my my response was, did he get it? He didn't. It doesn't sound like he got it though. Alice did not. Sweet Alice, sweet 
put upon Alice did not reply? Did not no, she, or deny? No, she, she said that she doesn't think so. Ah, okay. But the idea is he was shooting a gun in the house. He was... <laughs> we're well, no, 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 Rick, okay. Rick, that point, yeah, he was. We're trying this to is, get him out of the house. This so we is, thought we'd bring him to He's Lincoln not shooting... Park. He's shooting a gun... The, the gun is outside the house, uh -huh. but he is inside. So right. you, you open the window, and you stick the gun out the window, and you fire... Was that like at, a, on, on like Looney Tunes? <laughs> Didn't that happen a lot? Where it'd be like it'd be like the window, it'd be like the pie sill, and then and then there would also be like that'd be where I don't know if like Tweety's flying around or something. There's yeah, also like the double barrel that like just slowly draws out of the similar. window. Well, it's quite similar. But the thing is, you can't. It's it's tough to because they're all jittery. All the critters are you know. You open a door and they're gonna scatter. So you got to open the window quietly. It's, that's much quieter than just actually going outside oh and scaring oh it God. off. It's just, why do I think your dad is Elmer Fudd? And you're just doing the, the instructional DVD narration. That's just great. Right. Hey, well, hey, look, I've done it too. Like, it's, it's a good strategy. Do you both have the hat? Do you have the Elmer <laughs> Fudd hat? <laughs> and if either of you do... A picture needs to be sent immediately. I don't think so. I don't think I. I know yeah, I don't have it. I don't think he has one either. You're right, Rick. We need to do that. Okay. Thank you for the uh, Trash Panda <laughs> update. We love somebody and, out and there. Now that's you good know with why Photoshop. we refer to Alice as Sweet Put Upon Alice. This is her son, and her husband Shooter is is taking aim from inside her son's old bedroom. This is quite a thing, though. Meanwhile, moving right along, there's Bill Murray, and he's got an idea. Um, he's got an idea for the poverty-stricken billionaire. So we're going to play with Bill Murray saying the seventh-inning stretch, led the crowd in it, and then was asked about keeping the team together, paying all these guys, the Baez, Bryant, Rizzo, whoever you want. And Bill Murray had this idea for Chicagoland. Well, this is going to be kind of controversial, especially in these difficult political times, but I'm going to suggest that the children of Chicago begin something like a march of dimes and contribute individually, you know, lemonade money to uh, bring back all, all the players next year. You can't expect uh, Tom Ricketts to pay for everything, and they've got to be, they've got to be uh, you know, prudent with, their, with, their, with the way they run the business. But if the children of the city could begin giving up their allowance... In the name of keeping this cup team together after we win the championship this year, I just think I think they feel really good about it for the rest of their life. Okay, that's it. Open <laughs> up a lemonade stand and help keep Tom keep keep the billionaire off the uh, Addison exit on the Kennedy with a tin cup, trying to collect to keep his ball players together. I really want to see now in Wrigleyville today, somebody with a lemonade stand outside uh -huh. Wrigley Field and a sign on the front that says lemonade, like what, whatever, 25 cents a cup. And it said, please help bring back Rizzo, Baez, and, yeah. and KB. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Little he gave that job to Ronnie Woo Woo. Not like he's really doing much else. <laughs> Little Tommy's lemonade stand. I think that's perfect. Maybe we can get that before tonight's game. Uh, you can hear the... Cubs pregame here at 540. Zach Zabin in the Cubs pregame, and uh, the game will be at 615. Kyle Hendricks against an evil, dreaded Cardinal. So the the question this leads to in listening to and seeing what the Cubs have done. You know, they surrendered the season when they got rid of Darvish. They did one of the they, – they tried to make the case that the back end of a big contract is, is a money loser, Rick. 
and you could probably make that case. But then you're you're talking about a guy. You're talking about Theo Epstein. I know he's not here, but this was the mantra: is every season sacred, much like Monty Python's "Every Sperm is Sacred." And so you run around every season sacred, and then they trade you Darvish, your Cy Young runner-up, and okay, you gave up, and now here they are needing us a you Darvish. I don't know if this was the start of it, but you have the owner kind of with the biblical losses or biblical not money, biblical amount of money not coming in. The choices are the lesser of two evils. One is crime poverty. The other is that if you look at the guys who are all trade bait, they've choked in the playoffs as a core, as a group, since 2016. They won the World Series. Every year after that was a step back until they finally missed the playoffs. And then they got back last year because basically they were 13-3 and to start a short season. And I don't know if they're unwilling to say that about the equity that, and popularity of these players. While playoffs are random, these are the 85 Bears. That's what you're looking at. And you can't really have the GM say that. So it's easier for the GM and the owner to say, well, we need to cut payroll. Look how much money we lost. Do you think there's any merit to that, or am I just being a little shift disturber? The whole, all the money saving stuff has always rubbed me the wrong way. Mm hmm. And it makes me think of a quote that, mind you, this was in terms of, of basketball, but I think it really applies across uh, all sports. And it's from uh, a guy who writes for the for the athletic, Danny LaRue, who's just anytime like an owner makes a dumb move, whether it's like selling off a player because of payroll or wanting to duck the luxury tax or something, always tweets out, ownership is the greatest competitive advantage. And I, I think this is really just, it's really just like kind of the, the, the showing your ass part of that mm -hmm. because yeah, if like what the Cubs are looking at now at the deadline, it's like, yeah, they traded away. Dar it's like, essentially you sold, it's almost like the family guy thing where it's like, do you take the boat or the mystery box and the Peter Griffin quote of, yeah, but it could be anything, even a boat. And it's like, <laughs> but you had the, but you had the boat. Yeah, the boat. Right. So you could have just taken <laughs> the, the boat. Could be anything. Yes, like that. That's what it all feels like right now. So it's just, yeah, like the teams that are willing to spend. Like you look at, and I'm not saying the Cubs have to be the Dodgers necessarily, but just as an example, they've invested the money that they have really, really well, and this is where you get the trickle down to front office as well, of scouting to keep that farm system flush with talent so that when the Dodgers have had as many injuries as they've had, obviously both teams in Chicago have had a ton of injuries. You also look at the Dodgers, they're in the exact same space, but they have so much talent to be able to replenish because they're willing to spend, they're willing to go over the competitive balance tax, all that stuff. God forbid you have to pay, what is it, an extra like 20% as opposed to like, I always compare it to the NBA luxury tax where it starts at, at over 100%. So it's just one of those things where crying poor is just like not acceptable to me in, you know, in so many situations and especially in this one that anything that's based around that assumption, even with the pandemic going on, it's one thing if there's proof of actual loss of money instead of less profits than projected. I think that's such a different delineation that would be really fascinating to actually know and how that 
trickle that trickle down effect goes to what the front office can do, how that affects the players, and then how it affects the plans moving forward. So I don't know if I necessarily answered that directly, but it's that's just like it always that's one of the things that really triggers me is you say you want to win, you say you want all this stuff, you have the opportunity, you have the ability to invest, and you just don't. You have those players. You have that pitcher that you need now. And right now, when you see something like that happen, what I think is you're, you're looking at a, um, somebody who's not devoted solely and, and primarily to the baseball roster, but somebody who has gotten into real estate, leveraged some debt, gotten into multimedia, leveraged some debt, maybe using the baseball team to pay for it. We're not going to pay as much money there. We got some mortgages to pay on Ricketsville and all that. And suddenly this billionaire is starting to look a lot like Tribune Company. All right. That's, that is the Cubs. We are going to talk White Sox. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk about the White Sox who, um, who got caught in the rain and someone left the closer out in the rain and then he came back and it wasn't good, but then, but then they won. And that's just what they keep doing. We will talk to Josh Nelson of Sox Machine about the Sox tending to look like a machine these days. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Rick Camp. He's in for Mark Rohde. This is Saturday Suckage. Nonetheless, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. That's a tease for all you listeners out there. Stay tuned. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.